listening to Season 3, Episode 27. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Shop. My name is Trace and I run a small business called Small Business Collaborative where I help business owners grow and scale their sales and their businesses. In today's episode, I am speaking with Sophie from Sophie Home and Stand Well. Sophie Home is a home lifestyle brand and Stand 12 is a online trade show marketplace for wholesale. In the episode, I speak with Sophie how she got started, how she sold over 3,000 shower curtains with Sophie Home, which was her first product, how she came up with the idea for Stand 12 and how it's evolved already throughout this year. It only started in January, so it's been a really exciting project. Sophie started Stand Well because she wanted to find a good way for brands and buyers to connect and buy from each other and do business together. She grew Sophie Home mainly through wholesale and that's how she felt she built her business and she wanted to share that and make it easier for other brands to do the same. I think it's wonderful that Sophie is doing this from a very different viewpoint than other platforms out there. So go and have a look on Stand 12. You can apply to be on there if you're a brand owner and if you're a retailer, you can apply to buy from the brands on there. There's some fabulous brands on there already, so go and have a look. I'll leave the link in the show notes so you can find everything. Before we get into the episode, I just want to say that any platforms, any third-party marketplace platforms or online trade shows are a complement to your efforts already. They should not take away from your sales efforts. You need to still stay proactive with your sales and see it as an additional way to reach buyers. For example, for your retail sales, you might sell on Etsy, then you sell on your own website, you might do markets, and you might even be on Not On The High Street. Similarly, for your wholesale, you might be on these uh, on Stand 12, you might do trade shows when they're back up and running, and you might do outreach and sell directly to retailers as well. So I think they are a great way for people to connect. And I'm so excited to see how Sophie grows Stand 12. But now let's head straight into my talk with Sophie from Stand 12 and Sophie Home. Hello Sophie, thank you so much for coming on Let's Talk Shop. Well thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to speak to someone who is as passionate about wholesale as I am. Yeah, I mean it it is a bit geeky maybe that we are like this. (laughs) (laughs) Great, it's exciting, really exciting. Yeah, I would love for you to introduce yourself and maybe tell us a little bit about both your businesses and then we'll get more into it later as well. Okay, cool. Well, um, as you said, my name is Sophie um, and I have uh, an independent business called Sophie Home. So I design and manufacture home textiles. So uh, throws, uh, cushions and nursery accessories. Um, Everything is knitted in 100% cotton. And uh, that business was started about eight years ago and has grown for me very much through wholesale which is why it's a sort of topic that interests me and excites me. And also certainly had an influence on the second business, which um, was launched earlier this year in January, which is Stand 12, which is um, an online trade fair for um, independent creative businesses. Amazing. And how did you come to start Sophie Home, first of all, then? Uh, well, it's, it's quite a long story. <laughs> so I shall, uh, I'll give you the potted um, history on it. But um, I did my degree in knit at uh, Manchester Met. And uh, then very soon after, I got a job uh, designing men's socks. And I designed for a supplier to the high street. And we supplied uh, Marks and Spencers, among other stores. Mm. And uh, then I moved to Marks and Spencers to head office. And I looked after all the design for men's essentials. So uh, men's essentials is their uh, underpants, socks and pyjamas. And I did that for about four years. And it was amazing. I mean, although my degree was fantastic, I would say that I definitely did a lot of my learning 
uh, through my time at Marks and Spencers. So I did that for about four or five years and uh, I just, I started to get a bit frustrated that we would kind of be, well, initially we, we did sort of reinvent men's socks and underwear. When I first joined, everything was very navy, very grey, very beige. I injected a whole load of colour and excitement, as much excitement as you can get it. <laughs> but after a while, each sort of buying meeting just became like Groundhog Day. And um, I would get very frustrated that the buying teams and the head of buying um, were just very risk averse. And we would want to, like as the design team, we would want to bring in new ideas, you know, contemporary product or just trial something, you know, not place huge orders, but just trial things. And our new ideas were forever getting picked out. And then I think, you know, coupled as well with a few sort of team dynamics that I was struggling with, I just decided to call it a day, really. Yeah, I think I was probably 30 at the time. And I remember thinking that I was sort of too old to be upset, but also too young to be upset and, and kind of stay in what I'm yeah. quite an unhappy environment. So I left my job thinking that I would get another one quite easily. But as it turned out, I had really sort of been pigeonholed by doing men's underwear for, I guess by then was about six or seven years. And I couldn't get past any of the recruiters. You know, they wouldn't even let me go for jobs that were men's casual wear or men's shirts. They would just say, you know, no, no one will look at your CV because it's just underwear. I decided to freelance for a while um, and I did some design for, again, High Street, so Primark, Pennies, CNA. But again, you know, I just felt like I was doing the same stuff again and again. I wasn't the final decision maker. So what I did was I started to to look at all the images that I had taken on my trips um, abroad with Marks and Spencers because we'd go on buying meetings to go and source product and visit the factory. So I had amazing photographs in places like Bangladesh and Vietnam and just packed with colour and the things that really, really get me excited. And I started putting those together as visual mood boards and colour combinations. And then from that, I developed a range of shower curtains. Oh, that's random. Just <laughs> why shower curtains? That's a really good question, Therese. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think the way that, you know, because one of the things, what what I'm really excited by when it comes to colour actually is man-made colour. I know a lot of designers, you know, really get inspired by nature uh, and natural colour. I really enjoy man-made. So like um, in Italy, where I saw three different coloured wheelie bins next to a post box and, and they were like blue, yellow, pink and the post box was red. For me, like that's a photo to be taken. That, that's super exciting. So yeah. there's a lot of... The colours were sort of a man-made synthetic. I think they just kind of lent themselves to these shower curtain designs. It just kind of fell into place quite naturally. And and then I was also quite convinced that the world of shower curtains needed an overhaul. Well, yeah, they're pretty boring sometimes. <laughs> they they certainly they, they can be. So um yes, yeah, Sophie Home actually the the very first beginnings were for shower curtains and how did that go like what did what did you do then you designed these shower curtains where did you sell them how did you sell them so because I had um sort of done all my learning if you like at uh, Marks and Spencers all I really knew when it came to making a product was that you um you do it on a big scale abroad so it never Mm. occurred to me that I might create a product that I might be able to make myself um and at home so I did some research online to to find somebody who could make these shower curtains um, and then decided that actually that that was not cool. I really wanted to meet the people that were, were going to be doing it. So I went over to Heimtextile um, in Germany, which is a huge home textile manufacturing fair. And I met with the manufacturer who I had been in touch with online. Now, because they were based in China, they had huge minimums. Um, and they wanted a thousand pieces per design. And I managed to negotiate them down to 800 pieces, but that still meant 3,200 shower curtains, which is a lot. So I <laughs> 80 boxes of shower curtains 
in yeah. a solo storage unit. I have a whole bucket load of optimism and positivity that these were just going to fly, that everybody would want my shower curtains, that they would fly on my website, that they would fly on Etsy. On and people would magically find you. And that absolutely, exactly, exactly that. The reality was that it took me five year, five years to sell them, which um, is a very long time. And, and the best bit of it all is that after I sold the last one, I realized that I hadn't kept one for ourselves and we needed Oh, no. Yes. So, so that, that's how it started. But whilst I was at um, Heim Textile, being the shower curtain supplier, I also met two, three other manufacturers, uh, one of whom is still my manufacturer now for what people who know my brand now or would look at it now would know as Sophie Home, which is 100% cotton knit product. No shower curtains, no quilts, no mohair blankets. It's, it's just this knitted cotton product that I do. That's amazing. So it's nice that you've been able to keep that relationship going. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I was when I when I met them, um, I was actually sort of in the last two or three hours, you know, before I had to go and get my flight. And I just walked around the corner and I saw this stand and it was quite a small stand. Uh, but the product was just really exciting to me. They had these throws hung up and the colours were great and, and they were absolutely lovely. And I the, the factory is owned by uh, brothers, Suraj and Sahil. Um, and they're actually, they're about the same um, age as me. So we've kind of been growing our businesses um, at the same time as well. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, really nice. And they've become really, really good friends. I'm really fond of them. If they're ever in the UK, they come over for dinner. So yeah, it's it's fab and I, I wouldn't want to work with anybody else really they drive me mad sometimes but yeah, well, of course every factory will uh, yeah <laughs> I think equally you probably drive them mad sometimes oh completely and you know they're so so when I first met them you know most factories they they want really high minimum order quantities they really do. You know, a lot of them are asking you for 300, 500 pieces per design. Um, and I spoke to these guys and I said that I was just setting up. They were they were quite hungover, actually, which I always wonder if and I always say to them, you know, I think this might have really helped my case. <laughs> that They were willing just to sort of give in. But they said, yeah, you know what, we'll, we'll do 50 pieces her design amazing yeah and I just think they were like well yeah you know what we'll take a punt because if if you grow then you're going to grow with us yeah which is exactly what has happened and now I can fulfill their minimum order quantities and hopefully you know they're only going to get bigger and bigger and, and bigger so so yeah I'm, I'm really grateful that they they took a punt on me because it's worked out nicely that's lovely. But going back to these shower curtains, where did you sell the 3,000 plus shower curtains? Oh, my word. Well, when I realized that people weren't just going to find me online, I started doing markets. And, yep. uh, so I went off to Greenwich Market was my, my first. Um, and then I had a regular spot at the Backyard Market uh, down on Brick Lane if anybody knows and remembers that. And I used to sell a lot, actually. Once people saw them and got their hands on them, they would sell quite a lot. But, you know, I had to discount them. You know, they started off, I think I wanted to sell them for 15. And then at the markets, I would have to sell like two for 12 or on a really quiet day, two for 10. So I had to get really flexible with my pricing. And, you know, I, I set up my whole business really thinking, if everything goes wrong and people don't want to buy my product, do I think I can sell them at cost price just to shift them? Yeah. Um, so as far as I was concerned, you know, five pounds wasn't the best margin ever, but at least they were moving. And I just needed to get out of that big yellow and, and get rid of them all. So, but obviously they still weren't shifting at a speed fast enough for me to be able to, to get rid of them all. So um, that's why I signed up to do a top draw, uh, which okay. was my first trade fair. I guess back in January 2015, something like that. Yeah, and that's where I found my first stockists and managed to shift a whole load more shower curtains. <laughs> Amazing. That, that is great. Do you remember who your first stockist was? My very first stockist was 
was it, I think it was a Autour du Monde, which is a shop in Paris. Oh, lovely. Yeah, and a really, really beautiful shop. And then um, Search and Rescue in Stoke Newington. They, I think they came along afterwards. And also uh, Unlimited. Sarah from Unlimited down in Brighton was one of my very first stockists as well. Oh. So, yeah, I've had some really wonderful stockists from the off. I've been very, very lucky. That's amazing. So... You you got your first stockist and then you've just grown from there onwards or how has it been? Yeah, I yeah. You know, when I did my very first trade fair, I was really disappointed with the result. Everyone says that. Yeah. It didn't match up to my expectations as well. And I went with so many expectations. You know, I think like so many people, I went with these big ideas. You know, I had my dad helping me set up. Like you, you're so sort of excited for it. And then the guy next to me, I remember him saying, so, you know, are you here just to make leads or are you here to make all your money for the year? And so I was like, oh, wow, you know, could this actually happen? Like, could I make all my money for the year? And then, you know, and as it happened, I think in the interests of being really transparent, um, I, I think I took £3,000 worth of orders on the stand and I was completely crushed. And I remember going for dinner with a friend um, afterwards and just being like, what am I going to do? Actually, it was my accountant um, who said, um, it's the only good bit of advice they ever gave me. He's not my accountant anymore. <laughs> uh, he said, you know what, Sophie, it will, it will come in over the, the course of the rest of the year. You know, you'll, you'll see it. You can't expect it to all happen at the trade fair. And it did. You know, by the end of the trade fair, I had uh, six stockists. And mm. I think at least four of those um, replaced, uh, placed repeat orders yeah. throughout the rest of the year. And one of them in particular, Aria, um, up in North London, which yeah. is a beautiful home interiors store. You know, they've also stocked with me from the beginning. And, and they would place big orders, you know, every two or three months. Yeah. Um, so it would really keep the business ticking over. So, you know, it's, it's definitely... Um, it's, it's the long game and you have to make yourself visible, whether that is going to trade fairs um, or whether it is reaching out. Yet, you know, and also, actually, this was all launched pre-Instagram. Yeah, of course. But I think that that's probably good because I think, yes, Instagram can be a good tool and I think use it. But don't post on Instagram thinking that's going to bring you all your business. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, you had to work for it, right? Yeah. We should still work for it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you really you really have to. You can't rely on it at all. And not even for your retail sales either. I mean, I think that having my work in shops, that is what's really driven my retail sales. And yeah. people have found my website because they see my product in shops and then that gives my brand credibility. Or they don't want to buy it there and then or they want to support a small business. You know, so... Uh, having my product in shops for me that's always been the best form of marketing and paid marketing as well you know so it's it's just terrific so yeah I think that first trade fair and then the lessons that I learned from that and afterwards have been absolutely key to understanding how my business has grown and how it can grow and what I need to do to maintain that. How would you knowing what you know now how would you have a uh, like gone to that trade show what would you have changed well I wouldn't have rocked up with an Ikea sofa to assemble <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have done that but you know I thought well how else am I going to display cushions so I had my poor dad building a sofa and then of course at the end of the trade fair I'd have to somehow get it home again <laughs> yeah of course yeah, that, that would be my number one tip would be you know you don't need to go too big and really you can have a lovely simple display really let your product do the talking um it doesn't have to be all bells and whistles and you know you will go to a trade fair and you're going to see huge established brands you know like oh yeah why do names always disappear as soon as coach you house for example yeah, right there we go they're going to have a beautiful stand that a bunch of professionals will have built for them they're going to have props everywhere and that's that's how they do it. But the independence, no, you know what? You can be there with a set of shelves or some hooks or a trestle table. Keep it simple. If you can avoid it, don't paint your stand because you're either going to have to, well, yeah, you know, actually, no, that's not true. You should paint it. 
probably. <laughs> I like painting my stand, but you know, black. Or <laughs> like you know, factor in budget in that you don't have to paint it back. Like that, you actually just pay for it. Yes. That's the advice. Yeah, pay someone else to paint it back at the end because if you paint your stand black and then you have to return it to white after yeah. an exhausting trade fair, when they turn all the aircon off the minute the doors shut, <laughs> you don't want to be there. And the heat, the big shutters open. Oh. It doesn't matter if it's January. Oh my goodness, totally. And then all the forklifts come in with all the pallets and the cool wrap and you know, people that were your friends for the last three days would step over you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I um, <laughs> I still have paint on a dress on mine. There was one guy who painted his stand that we knew, and he had to paint it back to white. But like all the his colleagues had left, so we felt bad. So we all helped him, oh. and it was like I still have paint on that dress. But you know what? You, you can't beat the camaraderie of a trade fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said to someone recently, like, you know, at a trade fair you you catch up on a lifetime with strangers. And yeah. It's it's cool. It is lovely. It's great for the network. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm guessing all of this has accumulated into uh stand twelve and how tell me us more about how that started and Well, I was so my husband actually had started a new job and he'd been given um a book called Mission, which they give all new employees. So my husband works for a company that invests in small businesses. Oh, cool. Yeah, the business growth fund. Um, unfortunately, they don't invest in small businesses of my size. They, they yeah. invest in bigger small businesses. Oh. Um, <laughs> but he gave me this book to read and uh, I couldn't put it down. I've, I've read it two or three times now. Um, and it is a business book, but it's, it's really kind of accessible. And it talks about how the most successful businesses now are businesses that have a mission. And that mission is to want to improve people's lives. So mm. make people's lives um, easier, really, um, as as much as anything. And they run through a few like huge names like Uber, you know, is there to make getting home from a night out easier for people. Airbnb is there to make travel and finding accommodation easier for people. So I was really inspired by this book. And it suddenly kind of occurred to me that what was missing was a way to make wholesale easier and more accessible for startups Mm. because as much as I I really do love trade fairs and um, Stand 12 has never been to replace them it's it's always been to sort of sit alongside them um, and be another option you know that they do cost at least three three and a half thousand pounds and Mm. we're really not guaranteed to make any money back and I think for a lot of small businesses as well, you know, they're just simply intimidating. The the thought of doing it and the thought of putting that much money down stops them from doing them, which in mm. turn is stopping them from being able to even have a chance at being seen and growing their business. Because I honestly don't think that I would have built my business without wholesale. So, um, yeah, so so that was the the idea, an online trade fair. And uh, I ran downstairs to my husband about 11 o'clock at night. I was like, I've had this amazing idea. Um, I have to do it. And uh, it'll be dead easy. Don't worry. It'll be really simple. <laughs> <laughs> and whether he believed the second part that it would be dead easy and very simple, I don't know. But he, you know, he thought, yeah, it was it was a good idea. So I started to do a bit of research at the time. Interestingly, I couldn't find anything similar. And it wasn't until I was really, really knee deep in building the platform that um, a few other names did pop up. Uh, so Yeah, they the, kind of come up quite recently, haven't they? Definitely. Yeah. Well, kind of at least the, here in Europe. Yes. Yes. I think Amer- there's a huge one called FAIR, and I think that that's really quite established mm-hmm. in America. So, um, yeah, a few other names of, of trade fairs popped up. And my first sort of feeling was a bit of a sinking feeling that, you know, maybe we were massively on the back foot. But equally, I'd gone so far with it, you know, I still still wanted to do it. But and also I had quite a clear idea of how the platform would look and how it would work. And actually, it was a real blessing that I hadn't discovered those other platforms at the time, because what I I haven't been swayed by how they do things. And yeah. it has been very much set up based on my experience, both as a wholesaler and also as a buyer because we do um seasonal pop-ups in in our mm-hmm. forum 
in our house. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I'd been at trade fairs sort of on the other side as well. So all of that experience um, informed uh, Stand 12 and, and what it looks like now. Amazing. And um, what would you say has been the biggest challenge with getting it going? Oh, well, we've had to be very reactive when I say we it's so it it's me um but I, <laughs> do have, <laughs> I do have two lovely ladies who contribute and and help and are an amazing support um, yeah for me doing this um as well so Keisha um who does um all of our blog posts and uh Jess who helps with all the uh, onboarding and she I can give her a, a spreadsheet that I think is fantastic because it's all color-coded but actually it does nothing and she can turn it into something that really functions yeah so so they work with me but when it was um first set up it was uh, a directory and um the idea was that it would cost 360 pounds a year to be on it less than one square meter at a trade fair and then and then retailers would be able to contact you as a wholesaler um, and you would build a relationship just like you might as a trade fair but online it came it sort of became obvious in the first two or three months that people weren't really biting. And so I spoke to my existing wholesalers, the people who had signed up to, to be on it when it first started. And it was very obvious that actually what they all wanted was to not have to pay anything to be on it, but to give away commission on any sales that they did take. So whilst I had in my head, you know, this wonderful directory, and we'd have a magazine that would go out twice a year, you know, it'll be quite creative and that 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 kind of side of things. Um, we had to transform it into a fully working e-com site that yeah. would support infinite num- number of wholesalers that would be, so you'd be able to see the, the front end, anybody would be able to see all the product on the site, but only if you were logged in would you be able to see prices. Yeah. It also has to manage multiple orders at the same time. Uh, not all the wholesalers are UK-based, so we've got lots of different um, countries and lots of different uh, VAT systems and tax systems. Um, and then you are building this whole website as well, whilst you're, mm. you're wearing literally three different shoes. So you are building it as um, the retailer, so the user experience, uh, also as the wholesaler, but also as admin as well, Yeah, who's looking after the site. So moving the site from directly to, directly to e-com was, was huge. But again, I've been phenomenally lucky. I've been working with a guy called Martin from Rockhopper, and I really do want to give him a mention because I think he might be the most patient man ever. <laughs> he has been amazing. I have never heard him say no to anything that we have suggested or asked. He, his answer is always, I will look into that. And he's <laughs> amazing. We've needed to. So, yeah. Big up, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> so you then had like, you know, this whole, I mean, new to-do list, I suppose, with like a million things on it. But you managed to get it done and now you are up and running. When did that happen? Since when were you up and running again with this platform? So uh, January, it uh, launched as a directory. Um, mm. So I spent all of Christmas doing that. And then we went a little bit quiet over um, sort of April, May, June, whilst we made the switch to e-com because we couldn't recruit people at that stage. I couldn't invite people to shop from it or people to wholesale because we needed to be really clear on, on what we were offering people with the website. Yeah. Um, so then that relaunched as a fully functioning e-com site on the 1st of July this year oh so not very long at all (laughs) so how's it gone like what has happened since well it's it's been amazing actually it's it's been brilliant so we get um retailers um applying to shop from it every single day and um i think i haven't checked the numbers but last week it was 40 percent of those that had registered had actually placed an order oh wow yeah and how are they finding you so we send out a weekly newsletter mm-hmm. and that goes to about 800 uh, uk and european retailers and then instagram word of mouth some of our wholesalers are telling their stockists um, and they're finding us that way as well and we're about to do a much bigger marketing drive we're about to send out a postcard 
to the shop floors um, of every independent UK retailer in the UK just to let them that know that we exist, that, you know, whilst other trade fairs are closed, we're, yeah. we're open. So it'll be interesting to see um, how how that works. But yeah, for the for the first month, you know, I'm really pleased. I think that at least a dozen of our wholesalers have received orders. That's amazing. And do you find that your safety home stockist place orders through there as well? Or? Yes, they do, um, which is just phenomenal as well because it it just you know it, it is a small industry, but it and it is so supportive, and yeah. it's been amazing to see my stockists who were among some of the first to order on the site, you know, just to to trust it. And actually, with the first couple of orders, we did screw up the VAT. And it was, I mean, how lucky to be able to speak to two wholesalers, two retailers, sorry, so many people. Yeah, so many terms. <laughs> working with for so long to say, look, we made this mistake, we need to amend it. And they were like, yep, totally, you know, that's fine. So yeah, I feel really fortunate that our mistakes were able to be made with with people that we really know and trust but yeah lots of retailers you know that I've I've never heard of have come on board as well and they're they're also super excited by it and enjoy shopping on it so that's amazing so I think that all these platforms are very interesting and I think certainly it will help lots of you know brands both uh, independent shop owners and brand owners I think that like my first reaction to all when I first heard of them is like yes they're brilliant but what I wanted to say to brand owners is like you should still be building relationship with your buyers so how like how does that work you know what what do you think that buyers that buy from your platform do you think they still want that personal relationship with the brand owners because as some of the shop owners I've had on the podcast they sort of gone yeah but I still want to have that relationship and I say well you can have both yeah um what's your thought of what have you heard well I guess you know one of the I guess now that they're they're shopping from stand 12 so it's Mm -hmm really important that men that I maintain that personal relationship with them so mm-hmm. that's sort of on on me to make sure that the shopping with us is a, a really great experience and they like it and they do feel like they've had some kind of personal contact or like a, a good user experience but when a retailer places an order their address their email address their phone number is all there for our wholesalers to be able to see and mm-hmm. they are very welcome to pop them an email if they need to advise them that something's out of stock or something that is going to take a bit longer. That's all on them for them to do. So so they can make contact and they can they can be in touch with them. And they can pop in their handwritten postcard and, and the rest of it. So whilst it, it's all it's all on trust as well. Mm. So whilst we don't expect um, wholesalers and retailers to meet on stand 12 and then do business outside of the site, you know, I have absolutely no issue with them following each other on Instagram, supporting each other. Like when I say no issue, like we want them to be doing that. So they yeah. would have had that experience. experience. But I also think, you know, with, with COVID and, and so much going online, I also think that this is kind of a, a new way of working and, and people have adapted very quickly to that. And and when trade fairs can run again, you know, then they'll be able to be meeting people in person. But they, they seem to have adapted and sort of accepted very quickly that how we do business is just going to be a bit different for the moment. Yeah, it is. And I suppose it can save a lot of people a lot of time. It's just that I guess we never want to lose that like personal touch of things. Like, totally. uh, you know, say a brand that is on your side launch a new and exciting product that maybe need a little bit more hand-holding to understand if it's completely innovative or something. Yeah. The fact that they have a relationship with the buyers is going to be super important, even though the actual orders come through Stand 12. And I think that Instagram does really help with that yeah like that is their platform to kind of be a little bit more social and a little bit more kind of light mm. I guess I, I Instagram's really helped with with that it's kind of taken away the fear of the stockist 
you know, that it, it's there to say, oh, I love your shop and that looks great and, and all the rest of it. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. But until the trade fairs are back, this is, um, this is a, a good option. I think even when the traitors are back, I don't see like one thing excluding the other either. Right. And, you know, when I um, had the idea for Stand 12, and even when we launched in January, like the term social distancing, we'd not heard it. It wasn't our vocabulary. So it was, you know, always set up to be alongside Trade Fest, to be an additional option. And You know, when things first started to really sort of unfold in the UK with COVID and um, we were all started to become aware of how really devastating it was going to be for for people and for business, for everything. And my my web developer was saying, you know, Sophie, you've you've got to get on this and you've got to start promoting the platform. And I just couldn't because it really felt like using something terrible to promote the business. But as things have changed, and evolved it's just become so clear that this kind of platform is utterly relevant for now and we could never have foreseen it it happening and I think it's really going to help the platform establish so that when things do get back to normal and we've got the trade fairs that um wholesalers know that they have both you know if they want to take a bit of time out from trade fairs because they don't have a budget or maybe they're starting a family they can still have a presence on the website if a retailer can't travel because they don't have the budget or they don't have someone to cover the shop there's still the website and they can still dip in 365 days of the year um Mm. we can all still enjoy the, the thrill of being at a trade fair as well one of my thinkings is that these kind of new sites like they will carve out a way you know like it will change the industry a bit Mm. like i can kind of see i don't know this is not a well thought through uh, thought but (laughs) the amazing things with physical event and physical trade shows is that it's a journey of discovery in a different way than online so you know you walk up and down the aisles you see something maybe you don't stock candles but actually seeing some lovely candles make you think oh could I stock candles Mm -hmm. you would have never gone on a site looked in their candle category say Mm -hmm. but because you're at a trade show it challenged you to see actually they could fit in there and I can merchandise it like this or you know it can inspire you and give you ideas for new product categories in a different way than online so like maybe you know trade shows I think we'll still be there for relationship building, especially distributors and and agents and, you know, meeting people in real life. But maybe they become more of a journey of discovery for new things and, you know, work on your relationship. And then these platforms is more like the everyday solution like a tool for your business almost. I think so. So if you've got an empty shelf, you know, and you need to fill it quickly, you know, within moments you can pop on the website and you can have an order and know that it's coming yeah. without having to wait for a trade fair. But I do think um, as well, you know, it's it's so important for us that we're sending out the newsletter every week as well. So yeah, that could be a discovery, right? Exactly. And what we do is we do, so for example, this week's was a shop modern jewellery, shop contemporary art, and then focus on one of our wholesalers, Rosie Feist. So I'm well aware that that email is going to a shop that maybe just does cushions, for example. But then maybe yeah. they'll be like, you know what, some prints on the wall would be good. So I think that's how we sort of tackle that side of things. And the other thing is, is that absolutely, you know, you're going to be inspired by product you weren't looking for at a trade fair, but you're also missing out on all the brand new fledgling businesses that can't afford to be there. Yeah. And you, so you're going to find actually the most new, the most exciting product potentially on these platforms as well things that you might never have seen or or businesses that might never have established themselves yeah that's true that's what I and I I think one of the things that I would absolutely love would be to see a new business join stand 12 and grow their wholesale their business and their confidence enough to actually go and do a trade fair Mm -hmm. so the, the they're all really kind of working together and it is all about helping businesses grow 
both hold value. Well, this is their ultimate goal with like what both of us do, I suppose, yeah. in a way. You know, it's all about selling more, growing your business. Yeah, growing your brand awareness, growing your sales. Totally, totally. And it's a fun journey as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's tears, but it is fun. It is. It, it is fun. It's a challenge, I'm sure, but it, it's you must have learned so much different things about the industry doing this. Oh, totally. And, you know, loads of learning from mistakes as well. And actually, setting up Centaur has been very interesting because um, obviously there's now the input, the input from a whole load of other wholesalers as well who yeah. are saying to me, you know, Sophie, does your website do this and does it do that? So, for example, I've had two wholesalers this week saying, um, you know, can we have packing slips on the website? So that's where you uh, download the order but without the prices. So it's like yeah. entry that you're, you know that. I mean, that would be helpful, right? Because often, like, if you're a small business and you don't, you just use, say, a, some of the accountancy softwares, they don't do it. Yes, they, they don't do it. Right. And you want to put it in your, your box so that your retailer can check it off. Yeah. Now, I'm really naughty. And with my business, Sofa Home, I don't do that. <laughs> Which is really bad practice. And I don't advise it. And I, I need to sort that out. So it never occurred to me to have that as a, a function on the website. But now I've had these two wholesalers come on and say we need it. We've put it straight away as a priority to get that onto the site so that they have that because that is best practice. And yeah, it made me think. Yeah, I should really be doing that for Sophie Home as well. But it it has two purposes, right? It also means that they use it as packing in their facility, yeah. whatever way they pack orders. Yeah, absolutely. It just keeps everything like a pick sheet. Yeah, that's so interesting. And like, how do you manage your sales for Sophie Home now? Do you, because that you're obviously running it alongside of this, yeah. and this must take a lot of time. So, how do you manage both? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, necessity <laughs> um I you know what I try to be quite disciplined but the reality is is that I'm always hopping from one business to the other um and even this is awful Trace but even from one computer to the other because my Sophie Home inbox isn't currently working on one of my computers so I have to go and use the other one which is I mean ridiculous so it is a bit um, chaotic and obviously it's been nuts for the last few months as well trying to do all of this with two small children at home as well so it yeah of course um, it has been totally mad so yeah just trying to be disciplined and, and sort out you know all of my orders in the morning I, I like to pack my orders in the evening so that I know that they're sitting by the front door for the courier to come and collect and folders I have endless um, see-through folders with labels telling me what's what's in them and lots of uh about six notebooks on the go posted <laughs> yeah I, i'm not sure that i do manage them but somehow it all works so you ship all your orders for sophie home from home yeah 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 we do so we had um we just had all the new stock arrive so that was uh, <laughs> boxes that was half a ton shipment uh, my husband conveniently had just had surgery so he couldn't help uh so they all had to be um unloaded off the lorry into onto mm. the drive then they move into the hall then they move into the garden and then they're unpacked into a log cabin which we have at the bottom of the garden and then yeah a pack and pack and wrap um every order and pop the handwritten note in and then lovely steve from dhl comes and collects them and then yeah <laughs> and then you could work a little bit on stand 12 yeah absolutely <laughs> it's a bit um it's a bit manic but, um, but it's fun. How do you feel about trade shows not happening this autumn? I'm uh, really disappointed, actually. I mean, I think that it's the right decision, but it is so crushing for so many businesses, you know, because a wholesale is just such a massive chunk of, of people's business. And for manufacturers as well, this is really, really terrible news for them because they rely so much on, on our selling our big wholesale orders for them to be able to then manufacture uh, yeah. for us. So, yeah, I, I think it's the right decision, but it, it definitely is really sad to see an industry hit 
so hard and you know it doesn't stop there either does it because all of the the caterers that work at the trade fairs yeah and um, all of the guys who their job is to build stands yeah the electricians the stand builders the contractors right. the guys that paint our stand when we don't want to do it ourselves yeah, absolutely uh, you know all the this coffee shop people like all of them totally and utterly so i you know although they're not being trade fairs is undeniably is is good for my business and similar online trade fairs i do not want to see trade fairs go because they provide so much work and industry and revenue at so many different layers yeah absolutely crucial you know for the relationships and and for the networking and and all of that so I 100% agree I I love trade shows even though they're exhausting (laughs) and I really believe they serve their purpose but I do think that somehow they have been I mean they do need a little bit of a shake-up as well because prices just keep going up and football keep going down there needs to be something like I think there's still an opportunity here to to maybe shake it up a little bit for next year or you know maybe the year after and you know obviously I don't know what their overheads are no I don't know either I don't speak out of turn but I, I you know I do think they're a bit greedy I don't I don't know if they need to charge as much as they do. They just seem unbelievably expensive for for what they are and you know like if you if you have been at trade fairs for setup and breakdown and there's so much work goes into it. It is absolutely huge and you know that the next day it's all starting again for the next fair. Mm-hmm. So it it might not be another product fair. It might be a boat fair or you know yeah. bikes or camping or something like that but they they're happening all the time and yeah I wonder if there could just be more subsidizing for for startups just to help people get started yeah I think that you know if your startup actually as it's been in the last few years it's it's more affordable for you to do a show abroad and apply for a grant through DTI than it is to do a UK-based show. Which is nuts, isn't it? If we Mm. want to, you know... Because you could get a grant, but yeah. Yeah, but they're they're hard to come by. And again, you know, it's kind of secretive. And I I know that you're on a terrific mission as well to sort of bust all the secrecy and all the myths out of wholesale and and to make it more accessible to people. And, And I think that that's what the trade fair's haven't yet really done any work on actually is their platform really accessible and encouraging to new I think they're also a bit greedy like you said in the sense where they book on new brands but they don't there's no and I think that they're missing a trick and I've spoken to I actually for years I have gone on and on about this to to whatever sales show show organizer salesperson that will listen to me is the fact that you know they book on these new brands they charge them two grand or whatever it is which is a huge amount of money but they don't qualify them do they do not check that they're ready to wholesale and then this is really bad for the buyers and this is how i started on this journey i guess it's because then like buyers are really scared of placing orders with new brands the first show so you have brands that will only place an order if they've seen a brand three times at a show that is six grand before you get an order yeah right and that's not you know counting your travel expenses your travel expenses if you've come from abroad setting up your stand and and all of that and I've heard that so many times particularly with the fairs abroad you you have to be seen three times but equally Mm. you know like it, a retailer might see you the first time but miss you the other two times yeah huge you move your stand you're not in spotted anymore whatever it is I think that the show organizers there must be something there you know that could be done yeah. as an industry I don't know if it's show organizers if it is with the associations that are out there but something you know where or if it were mentors like you yeah. know, people like you who they had as the go-to for anybody new, right, before you do this, you know, you're going to speak to Therese. We're going to make sure that you are ready and comfortable because when you do that tra- first trade fair and you get all the pack through about how it's all 
work, it's really intimidating. Yeah, but you focus on those. You don't focus on selling or how you're going to sell and make your return. You focus on your health and safety and your risk assessment and how your stand is going to look pretty. Absolutely. And but you forget about the actual reason why you're doing it. So true. So true. So much time worrying about how yeah. you manage in a 20-minute <laughs> slot getting your car in and out. Yeah. And I don't blame anyone for that because I would, you know, it is overwhelming and it's really tricky. So I can't, you know, it's not me judging anyone. It's just there must be a better way. Yeah, I absolutely think so. You know, just like a real team of go-to people who are there just to answer every question no matter how silly it's yeah because yeah you know I be- it wouldn't be amazing if top draw had like a team of mentors that they hired for an hour every week yeah. and there's an open q a for i don't know i don't know I, this is just an example i just know that if someone the people i work with before they do a trade show generally sell more on their first show than people that have not looked over their pricing their sales material and are actually prepared to sell yeah totally and you need someone to sort of teach you the language as well yeah and it makes such a difference right that's a difference so because often buyers you know they they speak really quickly don't they (laughs) (laughs) and they throw terms around they love terms of you know and you're not quite sure of what they actually mean and in the beginning you don't have the confidence to ask them like what does seller return mean for you to you yeah or whatever it might be so when they say you know do you have an moq and you go yep yeah what what is it um very good (laughs) (laughs) no i just think that that there's a lot of trust there from having that kind of like a little bit of knowledge before you do it of course this year that's not going to be an issue because (laughs) I think I don't know it's like we all had a bit of a reset a little bit of rethink now in whatever we're doing in life I suppose maybe if shows do the same it'd be interesting to see if something comes out of it you're totally right they need a shake-up footfall is definitely down and it doesn't really feel like they're doing terribly much about it you know, I one of the last shows that I did in London, the the guy who'd sort of done all the organising came round and, and footfall was dreadful. It was really, really quiet. And he came along and said, you know, how's it been? And I said, well, it's been very quiet. And he said, oh, it's not what everyone else is saying. Yeah. He, like, no, that, that is... You just not- stop lying to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's be honest about this and, and let's figure out what we can do to, to change this. And yeah, I've been surprised as well that more of them haven't, gone online yeah and i think that they haven't done it very well when they have uh this is a problem too you know i don't think i mean i can discuss this you know for forever but let's hope that other kind of like market challenges like different platforms different ways of doing things will challenge trade shows to do shake it up a little bit come up with a few new things that would work and benefit everyone involved right. of course we all have to make money from it right totally. COVID has seen so many amazingly inventive ideas and yeah. blown away at the beginning by people who like you know day three into lockdown like the artist support pledge you know they just yes. boom, came out of nowhere and just exploded and you're just like that's such an amazing brain that just came up with that and put that out there and there were yeah. so many people that were thinking outside the box and doing things differently for their business and you know small businesses I guess they can just be so much more reactive can't they they yeah. have freedom to do that yeah. it? and it's so exciting but and so amazing to hear those stories and see those completely yeah so what do you think? Are you optimistic? So you, of course you're disappointed about the trade shows, but how are you feeling about your two businesses for this autumn and this kind of, you know, I guess September when it all kicks off fully again? Yeah, I mean, I do feel optimistic, actually. I, I think that, um, so for Sophie Home, I, yeah, I feel I do feel optimistic. You know, I've got some really lovely um, stockists who have reordered the new collection, so existing stockists. Mm. And I've also had a lot of new stockists get in contact 
with me. So, you know, they must be finding me either in other shops, websites or on Instagram. So there, there feels like there's a lot of buzz. There's lots of activity. Yesterday, I spent the morning um, pitching to retailers um, and had a couple callbacks straight away, which was fantastic. Oh, lovely. Yeah, really good. What do you do for that? What do I do? I just send out a, a little email with a link to my uh, catalogue, which I create on Flipsnack. So it's like a mm-hmm. digital book. And I also, I, I put my phone number actually on it always because I find particularly at the moment, retailers want to pick up the phone and have a conversation. Yeah. And I think a lot of, uh, you know, especially the um, the ones that have been around and been doing business for quite some time, yeah. they definitely value conversation with people. I'm sure the new guys what does too, but I, I, maybe it's just me and a feeling, but I think that there's a certain... I mean, I guess it's scary sometimes to be on the phone in the beginning. Yeah. But the ones that have been around for a long time, they absolutely value that one, one-to-one contact. Oh, definitely. And, you know, you can sort out something in two or three minutes that would take maybe six emails over three days. Yeah. It's really so much easier. Yeah, and I didn't use to put my phone number on. I, I'm afraid I used to wimp out of that, but I, I do do it. I do do it now. So, I, yeah, I feel like um, that the wholesaler retailer relationships are going to get more personal and closer and because I think there's such a sort of there's a real kind of unity and an understanding that we really need to support each other and you know I'm seeing lots of brands myself included who are profiling all of their stockists which actually was something that I kind of didn't do before because I kind of felt like it was their not how do I explain this sort of their business to do it that it might they might not want me saying you know oh I'm in this shop that they might want to present mm. in a certain way but actually you know I think they, they do want to be shouted out in it oh yeah they want the support they do definitely so I really feel that so I think it's a very 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 supportive environment to do business at the moment and you know retailers as well have been so patient and are still really patient you know with delays and not answering emails because there are two small boys to feed and and all that kind of stuff as well so that's been phenomenal but I'm glad you still are proactive even though you've had all these things going on because definitely when you are busy and this is why you know doing what I do I suppose you know wholesale is one of those things that becomes an afterthought and and it's actually something that can make a huge difference in your business. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I I think once it kind of clicks with you, what an important cog of your business it is. But, you know, that says, that said, my my to-do list has said stockist hit list. It's what I call it. It has been on my list like for weeks and it kept getting moved. So it's taken me a while to actually sit down and do it. But it is definitely a really worthwhile exercise. Definitely. Yeah. I think so. And I think that especially now when we're coming up to, you know, a new season, yep. it's even more important. So we obviously have times in the year where it's not so important, like December. <laughs> and also, you know, what's the harm in doing it? So, it, you know, it's another email in their inbox. If they're not interested, they're not interested. And Yeah, but you're helping them find you and then you're helping them at the same time find Stand 12, I suppose. It's twofold for you. Yeah, although I haven't really been, when I've been contacting a Sophie home, I haven't added that in. Maybe you should. I know, well, my husband said yesterday, but it feels a bit pushy. <laughs> oh, I no, but like, that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it to help them with their buying for autumn. It's true, but they will get their postcards in the post that will tell them all about the platform. But that's not personal, like you contacting them is personal. <laughs> well, I have... I, <laughs> <laughs> sorry I, I don't want to put pressure on you really you <laughs> used to be my mentor as well I really do because because you're right I mean I did tell them about it in my newsletter I, yeah, but how many people do you think open your newsletter versus your personal note from you point taken <laughs> so all the stockists then that haven't replied to me I'll send them another email going oh by the way if you don't like my stuff <laughs> <laughs> Well, you already spent the time finding their details and like... Oh, Therese, you're so right. <laughs> All right. Well, when I do my next reach out, I will. I will. You know, I've been doing this for a long time, but, you know, still it's sometimes just having confidence, actually. Yeah. To to be high, 
I'm here. Yeah, yeah. I'm working on that definitely. But I <laughs> take it on board. <laughs> so I thank you so much for coming on the show. Can you kind of tell us quickly? Uh, obviously, where people can find you, both Sophie Home and Stadwell, and also if a brand or a shop is interested in getting involved with Stadwell, how they go about that. Yeah, sure. So um, Sophie Home is uh, sophiehome.com, um, and my Instagram is at sophiehome underscore London, because I think I do own at Sophie Home, but I locked myself out and never got back in. Um, and Stand 12 is nice and simple. That's stand12.com and it's at Stand 12. So, yeah, we are totally open for retailers and brands to apply to, to join us. So for retailers to register as a platform as well with the retailers, you know, we we are as interested in new startup retailers as well as existing ones as well all of our wholesalers are so they can choose to accept or not accept an order so if they don't feel comfortable with someone who's who's been in touch with they have to have a website or an instagram presence or a or a shop so we have to know that they are they are legit so yeah they they can um choose whether they um complete the order or not and also so that we avoid um duplication as well so we we don't have somebody supplying two retailers in the same postcode and and all and then wholesalers yeah we're looking for just good commercial contemporary design um mm. and we'd love anybody who is interested in wholesaling to get in touch and if we feel that you're suitable for the site, then we'll get you on as quickly as possible. If you're not suitable for the site, um, we will let you know why. And also, you know, we're really happy to talk to somebody who would like a little bit of guidance on how they could get their business business ready to, to be on the site. Uh, yeah, what kind of criteria is that? Like, do you check? What, what do you look for? Uh, well, the first thing I do is um, look at their website. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I am looking for is product that I can see in a shop that I, I know it's going to look good in a shop and I know that customers are going to buy it. <laughs> so it has yeah. to be commercial in that aspect. It doesn't have to be my taste, but it does have to be a sort of certain aesthetic. And that's quite a gut feel um, as well. And then we're looking for good photography as well. So we, we really want everything to look really crisp and sharp. Um, on the site so so that's pretty important so we might have somebody who's got fantastic product but we might ask them to um, resubmit some maybe e-commerce shots or some um, less fussy lifestyle shots that that kind of thing you know because it's going to become quite a full platform and uh, we want to keep it as uncluttered as possible so that it's really nice um, and easy to I think it's important online otherwise you feel overwhelmed as a buyer as well totally and you don't need to have ever wholesale before either so if you're totally new to it for us that's absolutely fine and I'm here Jess is here Keisha is here for anybody to be able to um, just ask questions and so that they feel prepared and do you have any like do you check if they are you know do you have any qualifying questions for if they're ready, like in terms of like, I guess, pricing or supply? So when they fill in their onboarding form, mm-hmm. they become apparent very quickly if somebody understands that form or don't understand that form. And mm-hmm. uh, so, and that they're things, you know, that we can really help with. Mm-hmm. If they don't understand part of it, you know, we can explain. So in answer to your question, you know, no not really, but if um, if they were to send me all their prices and they really didn't look right, mm. I would be in touch and say, mm. you know, let's let's talk about them. Or if I feel that their minimum order quantity is prohibitive, you know, if it's yeah. stop them. Um, and actually, there is there's somebody that I need to have that conversation with because when I look at the average value of her product and the minimum order quantity she's asking for, I think she's going to really, really increase her chances by dropping her minimum order quantity. Yeah. Which is something I think you have advised as well recently. um, And I would totally agree that that's really important right now as well to really help out retailers and ourselves, you know, to, to be a little bit flexible on things like minimum. Absolutely. And that's why I think it's also really important not to rely solely on volume when you set your pricing and your margins because we have to have that flexibility for when things happen and you need to be a bit more helpful 
Totally. And it's all paid marketing. So, so, so get it out there. So, so yeah, we don't really run checks on people, but we definitely look out for sort of glaring um, errors and, and we're totally here to support, but to be inclusive um, as well, if the product is right. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I, I feel like I could chat with you about wholesale for, for hours. <laughs> Literally, yes, I, I feel the same, but I don't know if anyone else would want to listen to it. <laughs> could go on and on and on. So yeah, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sophie, and thank you so much to those of you who are listening. I really appreciate that you are tuning in. Season 3 will be coming to an end soon. There's still a few more episodes to go, and then we will take a short break and we will be back in October. I'd love to hear who you want to hear from in Season 4, as I'm inviting guests at the moment. So if you have someone that you think would be great guests for the podcast please do get in touch and I also love hearing where you are tuning in so please tag me on Instagram and small underscore business underscore collaborative and show me where you are listening of course as a small business it's also really important to get ratings and reviews so if you have a moment please head over to iTunes or Apple Podcast and leave us a review as it really helps others discover the podcast too. Thank you so much for listening and I hope that you have a lovely week.